quite sad actually, because when I heard all people were moving out to different areas, I thought, oh, it was so great in there, yeah. To see that, you know, bits of wallpaper still on the walls there that people had spent the, uh, the time decorating and making it home, uh, <laughs> even, even now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, heart-wrenching, really. It's a wonderful book that he's produced. I mean, Memento Mori, Remember the Dead, you know, and he's uh, it, it, not just talking about the building being knocked down, he's talking about all the people that live there, you know. Yeah, I mean, 924 families. Where did all those people go? Did they go to somewhere where they were accepted or, or did they go to somewhere where people say, oh, you lived in Quarryl Flats, who look like you? I don't know. I really don't know. 12th of February, 1978. A week of intensive shooting down there every day because the sense of urgency is most palpable. There was a heavier fall of snow last night. The most apt description being Stalingrad. The job had seven months to go and the great curve comes down in a fortnight. This threw me into a panic. What about Quarry Hill's last message to the world? Now, it was pretty scary stuff. You know, you're right on the top, you've got to stand on the paraffin. And I couldn't do it, I had to get a friend of mine that's a mountain climber to go up. And we nailed the flags up on it. And we called it, I called it Quarry Hill Day. Every now and again, if, um... The access to the roof had um, like a Yale locker on the top on the roof up there. If you could ever get up there, it was a smashing area to run around up there and look over the edge. I mean, you couldn't have ever fallen over. You would have to have been stupidly climbing to, to fall. And then I don't know that anybody ever did. But yeah, unbelievable. We used to play up there occasionally. Quite, you'd see quite a few kids up on the roof waving down at you. And you'd think, wow, have we gone there? But yeah. Uh, another adventure area that you weren't supposed to be in as kids. <laughs> and of course, the police were down here sort of looking up and their signal flags. So, you know, I, I really wanted to say a rude word, but it just says um, goodbye world and a Union Jack on the end. Um, and what we did was the flagpoles were about this long and Behind the post, so you can't see it, there's a pole, a long pole of wood. So the flags had all been nailed to this thing, so you could just put the thing up and bang a couple of nails in quick. Um, and the wind just started up in a good sky, and there it is, just that, that little tribute to it. My tribute to it. Oh, that, that's a, the two great pictures there, man. Uh, that's some sort of naval uh, signalling uh, thing that tells you it's goodbye world. Uh, and yeah, it won't go by well. Let's uh, bring it, saying the words, <laughs> fill me up a little bit. Um, goodbye world, yeah, goodbye to my young world. <laughs> Wales used to say there's 999 flats. So if, I mean, there were nearly a thousand flats, three or 4,000 people lived there at any one time. Now, lots of people came and moved away and lots of people lived there all their lives. And you can't, you can't fail to, uh, to miss what that 
brought to the world. And no, nobody noticed it go. You know, this was the other thing. It was so big and it was so colossal. And it was all almost bashed down by hand. It was fascinating, to be honest, because, I mean, there were no health and safety in them days, you know. <laughs> so you, you were literally still living there, watching them being demolished. When I lived in Victoria House, as I say, overlooking New York Street and uh, Marsh Lane railway station and the train line, when I lived there, they were the experimental block because we, we were in scaffold for two years. Uh, and what they were doing, they were taking out all the concrete blocks that were hanging on, you know, on fixings on the original steel and trying to replace them, trying to find something that would be lightweight enough to prevent the demolition of Coriel. And it, it's, they, it, they never found anything. I think by the time they sort of maybe got something that could have done that, that spent so much money on it, and it was still a doubt that maybe some of the steelwork underneath was probably not up to the work anymore. Once that experiment was over and the, the, that was the start of the demise when they sort of thought, well, it's going to cost us too much. Um, and I'm sure what happened is they sold the land and obviously the developers have developed it into what it is today and, and still developing it. There's one there that shows you the interior of the scullery with the Garchi system. Uh, but that lady is emptying down the ashes from the coal fire. Now, what you don't see, on the left-hand side, there's the big disc there that's actually got a plug hole in, you know, which was a standardised plug hole. Um, but when you wanted to use that as a, as a sink, you put that big disc in and, and the plug hole in, and then you could, you could use that then as a... Uh, as a sink, but if you take that big disc out, you could put down uh, that old shovel full of ash. Uh, now you aren't supposed to put things like tin cans or anything like that, but small items, uh, and, and preferably what we would today describe as biodegradable, but you know, things that would, would sort of go down. But then what, what you did, you reached down the big hole and, and you pulled up a plunger uh, and that plunger then allowed that all to go down, and ideally you'd swill it away. They were quite in it, in, innovative, really, with the uh, waste disposal system. I, I've certainly never, I've certainly never heard of it before or after or since, really. I, there must have been hundreds of people who lost things like rings and watches or, or valuables that, that went down there. And if you caught it before you pulled the big plunger out. You could, you could re regain it, but I think once it went down, to my knowledge, that, that was it, it was gone. I'm more sorry now about it than I was when it went at the time, somehow. I used to obviously come into town, meet my friends or whatever, and I'd go past on the bus and see it, you know, being taken down bit by bit. But I, I, I didn't have any emotion really, maybe I should have done that. If I'd have been older, perhaps or younger, but I was in my twenties, you know, I was supposed to be uh, tough. It never fails to amaze me. I, I worked on the playhouse and we never seemed to have enough storage area for our uh, materials and equipment. Uh, and now they've built lots and lots of things around, not, not, 
least the new college where I'm uh, stuck 25 feet on the wall. <laughs> I've got used to the new environment. I mean, it's been there a good number of years now, but uh, whenever I go down there, uh, I still get a little pang of emotion. Um, you know, you do with your childhood. You can never, ever replace those days. You know, it was like losing a community, really. They said, we'll rehouse you. And the, the beauty was, they, they gave us three or four options. It wasn't Hobson's choice. It wasn't, right, we've, we've got you to place up Seacroft. If you don't like it, tough. It wasn't like that. It was, you know, we, we went to look at a couple before my mum said she liked this, this flat. But I mean, I know some of them, some of my friends, they stayed very close. So they'd see each other regularly. And I'd just see them occasionally. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you do, you did, we did lose friends. It was just a lovely time of my life and I wish I could have had it back again. I wish my children could have had it. But obviously, you know, it's not gonna be, but if they could have had that, then I'm sure they would have, they'd understand how I feel now about it. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Uh, my kids have been brought up on Seacroft. And I, I think they've missed some by not being brought up in where I was brought up. I think they've missed some There were still bits of Quarry Hill left a year or two ago odd stumps and bits of concrete and a bit of the children's playground and such like. And just on the, on the ground was this notice and it was glued to the ground near a drain and it was somebody just complaining about being homeless and it had a certain irony to it being on a place like this that once had 3,600 homes on it. Quarry Hill's time is up. How will it be remembered down the years, if at all? The demo men told me that they don't like it. I think the scale is upsetting them. It's a tough building. It won't tip over and go quietly like the brick terraces. You can't detonate it like a power station and watch it sink into the grave. I noticed a certain dignity in its death throes, even majesty when the light is right. Perhaps the empty site will induce a sense of loss, herald a change, or indicate a shift of some unexplained sort. On the ground, the market traders will curse the winds that howl around the new plain, and motorists navigating into Leeds from points north will find their favorite lighthouse swept off the rocks. Up in space, the flying saucers spin around the Earth forever, scanning the northern hemisphere in vain for that landmark that gives them permission to land. At the end, he says, he was talking about the market traders, and he says, I hope these guys are all right, because ghosts don't buy anything. And you suddenly think, we're all in a situation now where the footfall's gone, the people are gone, the, the buildings are empty, the inner city buildings are empty. And it's also been knocked down for about the same amount of time, almost exactly, it stood.
and here we are again you know um cycles, so yeah. i think you know good work like that does have repetitions and echoes in time and you know you read a passage like that and you suddenly think wow yeah the same thing's kind of happening again albeit for a different reason yeah the way it refers to the landscape as feeling sort of you know yeah bereft of mm. something it feels a bit it is a bit a bit of a strange time to be here on this site yeah he talks about dark times you know these are dark times and um when you look back my you know we're old enough to have vague memories of dark dark times in the but, 70s yeah. yeah but you know you, you live through this and it's completely um it's completely new again 27th of March 1978, a terrific wind giving a bright clear day. This produced a curious performance, as usual. The casements were banging about, but today they were all flapping in unison, backwards and forwards, ebbing and flowing like the tide running out. An ominous slow hand clap. When it came to doing the book, as with my other book, they've got to be about something, and they've got to be also about me, and that includes a kind of psychological aspect, I think, fears and things I enjoy, and people that I owe a debt to. And that, you know, the moment, it's called momentum, all right, it's not called the end of modernism, or, you know, now you see it, soon you won't. There was certainly a, a lot of a lot of tears and a lot of um, and a lot of memories that were buried under the rubble were, and I think I think that there isn't enough done to to, to remember the flats and remember the community uh, and the spirit that they that they brought about really. It just seems to have been um, airbrushed out of history. When Peter Mitchell did did his book and. Uh... You know, I, I treated myself to it. I, I, it. That kind of brought it home to me. You know, when I when I looked at the pictures in that book, and I realised then I should have been a bit more emotive about it. I should have come down. I don't. I don't know if I just blanked it. I didn't want to know, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. I didn't certainly didn't come down and watch it going down bit by bit. You know, but. Um, uh, I have the book, and uh, I've treasured the book. And it's funny I, when I, I used to work at Burton's before I became a teacher, and uh, I took it in one day. Somebody happened to mention Quarry Hill, and I took it in one day. And there were some lads who worked at Burton's who didn't know I'd been a Quarry Hiller, and it were like awe and wonder. They wanted to know more about it. And when I got this book out, and I was able to talk a little bit like I have done today, and uh, I think most a lot of people who didn't live there. I've looked down the noses at Quarry Hill Flats, but those who have got like an historical bent, who, who, who like to know about things like Quarry Hill and other, other famous places, it's, it's, it's really interesting to them, you know, and to us who lived there sometimes, I think, well, we, just somewhere we lived, but I can see its historical uh, importance, you know. It's a very kind of honest project, uh, Quarry Hill, you know, it's there to uh, get rid of the slums, uh, to provide decent accommodation for, you know, what was 3,000 people. Uh, and I think that that doesn't really exist these days. You don't get that same kind of social housing. Uh, you get, you know, lots of 
property developers making money out of buildings and they're never affordable. They, they you know, they always make the promise that they're going to be. Uh, and I think, you know, Quarry Hill did what it set out to do uh, in a very kind of honourable way. And so I, I think it's to kind of remind people that, you know, those things happened in the past and they maybe need to be looked at again, really. My name's Tony Baker. Uh, I make art, make music, I write, do videos, uh, take photographs. Um, I'm fine art trained, uh, which meant anything back in the 1970s. I think because Quarry Hill was important to me uh, and I didn't want it to be kind of lost, uh, you know, it felt it's a part of history, a part of Leeds history that should sort of still be maintained. Uh, I wanted to incorporate Quarry Hill into the building. Well, that 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 photograph of Noel and his lads uh, was a postcard on my notice board for at least fifteen years. So I then, first of all, I, mean, I looked at Pete's book first to see if there's anything I could find there. So there's a photo of two young women in there. Contacted Teresa because. I think I'd, I'd found out that she had some connection anyway with these two women uh, and it turned out that they were her aunties and she said oh I've got a photograph of my mother and so she sent me a photograph of Mary Beaumont. I wanted the photographs to be taken in the inner part of the, the building so where the gardens and the parks were uh, because that's where the mural was going to go. The other thing was that I needed them to be uh, young people uh, and then I found the photograph that had, had Jack in it and his sort of uh, the jaunty pose that he, he had in the photograph with his arm around, I think it was his sister. Uh, and that seemed to kind of conjure up the, the right type of uh, kind of character that we wanted to put on the side of the building. It was the intention that uh, it had people from the flats, ordinary people, who are, you know, they are lead citizens and they represent everybody else that's going through those, uh, the doors of the college. It's a bit of a life changer, um, you know, to, to think, and I keep saying, why me, why me? But uh, Tony just said, well, you look like a little bit of a scamp kid. And I said, well, I, I probably still am. But um, it, it's an honour for me to think that it's my name up there with Mary's name, which I'm so sad she wasn't there to enjoy the day that the college gave us. Um, they were wonderful to us. The three daughters were there, as my sister and my wife was. Um, but I, I'm, I'm proud to be the person who was up there saying, you know, Quarry Hill were a great place to grow up, make friends and, and evolve from, de develop from. We went one morning, and, we, and it was early morning, and we sat having a bottle of Prosecco toasting my mum. You can't see where we, we were that now because of the building a new building. But we were sat having a toast to her and, and this photographer were taking pictures and he walked past us and my sister said, what are you doing taking pictures of my mum? <laughs> and he just started chatting away and asked the story of it. And we said, well, it's, it's easier than going to the cemetery, which it is. Would you still go and tend to the grave? <laughs> You know, but we like to sit and have a chat with him, with her there, you know, and she's there in a in a whole glory, looking beautiful. I don't know if you know how much he gave back to us as a family. You know, we're not as sad when we can see her there. You feel her there. She's more there than she is in the cemetery, so it's fantastic.
Just love it. Oh my god. Hey, wait a minute. That's kitchen house. Honestly, that, that's the archway that takes you through to the woodpecker. That's our house up there. That's that's where I lived. Second from the top. That is oh now you now I'm serious. Oh and is that is that permanent? That's not gonna be changed next week. Oh my god. Oh oh god. 27th of May 1978. Early in the morning, I'd alerted Noel to quit bashing the archer and we will go for the shot during the men's dinner break. Returning midday, he walked all his men over and they got ready to be photographed, i.e. they managed to find a few hard hats. The weather was summery and the men were all keen and into a sense of occasion. A crane and extraneous gear had to be shifted out of shot and I got to set up eventually having to shoot from the top of the crane. I've timed things for a good moment. The last arch of Quarry Hill, the workers neatly tucked under it, with one character wandering in at the last minute and standing himself against the iron entrails in the foreground. These are the men, it said in the viewfinder, who took away your hopes and fears your triumphs and your failures. They are as time itself. They knew it. There was none of the usual mooning or flicking it out. Naturally, I'd loaded up the car with booze to complete the celebration. It didn't last long, but then neither did Quarry Hill. 8th of October, 1988. So long, Quarry Hill. I took your picture, but you took my mind. I'm almost crying now. I can write poetics. Well, it's not poetic, but... It felt such a good thing to do, you know. It was. It really was. Oslaha sweeping magnificent curb Demolition brought many to tears A great battleship harboured on his gate it dominated the skyline for years. You've been listening to a Better Songs production produced by Rosie Parsons and Verity Watts. It featured the voices of me, Peter Mitchell, along with Tony Baker, Martin Brennan, Jack Longbottom, Martin Maguire, Teresa Tosney, Margaret Shippen, Steve Pye, Becky Palfrey and Andy Gray. Special thanks go to Rudy Thomas, Don Maguire, Leeds City Museum, Colours May Vary, Tony Macaluso and Rum Doodle for the use of their song, The Quarry Hill Flats. The project was recorded entirely during lockdown and was funded by Leeds City College Arts Fund. Memento Mori is published by RRB Photo Books and is available by strangely familiar dot co dot uk